With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ooh, you didn't tell me you were a brainiac. Welcome, welcome into Leather Brains, your host here, Slap Dog, and welcome into episode 154. I am not alone for episode 154. I am joined here for a Monday night smackdown. I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if we're smacking each other, but Scotty's here and Alan's here. Gentlemen, happy episode 154. We made it. This this is our stopping point. This, we're done after yeah. this. This is the last episode we're ever going to do. We said if we can oh, make nice. it to 154, we're done. We made it. Here we are. That's good. We're just know. kidding. We're here no, for a long time. No. We're here forever. We're not going to stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. We are here. There are some things that did get stopped this week. Um, Namely, the Chiefs, which we're going to talk about, of course. You, you both being Chiefs fans, I think that needs to be a topic of discussion. But that's not all. We have studs and duds. We have Sunday wrap-up for all of the games, both in the noon and the evening window. Noon, afternoon, and evening. Gosh, that's a lot to say. And then uh, we've got our wave wire targets, brain busters. We have a whole fun-packed episode. Scotty, why don't you just kick it off? Yeah, with the... Uh, Leather Brains MVP of the week, which of course is brought to you by Prime Society, luxury leather bags, backpacks, and accessories. So if you haven't already, join elite athletes like Tyree Kill and Clay Thompson by checking out primesociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect high-quality Christmas gift that won't break the bank or you want to turn heads with the swagger of a pro athlete, Prime Society is the answer. Your fantasy MVP, which we'll discuss in a moment, helped you secure the bag in your league. So make sure you secure the bag with Prime Society. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today at primesociety.com. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off today. And now, your Leather Brains MVP of the week is Mr. Debo Samuel, who caught seven of his nine targets for 149 yards with one receiving TD and a rushing TD for a total of 34 PPR points. Debo had himself quite the weekend here, so congratulations to anybody that started Debo Samuel, and I apologize for those that went against him because that is very unfortunate. 34 points is great. Debo's been one of those guys this year for fantasy anyway that has been very, like, He's Mm -hmm. been a spot hit and miss. It's it's been like almost a spot start, and it's been very frustrating because we know what Debo has been of years past. But this was a great week for him, and and you have to be happy with it. I know other weeks you were probably somewhat frustrated with the usage that Brandon Ayuk is getting in his place, but 
congratulations to Debo. Definitely earned it. And uh, congratulations to 49ers for a uh, job well done. Yeah, I feel like when 49ers skill players get the MVP of the week, it's extra special because they're not only comp- competing with the rest of the league, but they're competing with like six different all-star athletes on their own <laughs> offense. So it's just incredible. You got to compete with IU and CMC and George Kittle. So Debo Samuel earned it. He did. Through yeah. and through. I, I think uh, even last week with the Eagles, um, or last game with the Eagles and then um, this week, I think there's been a much more concerted effort after that little three-game skid they had to like get cmc and debo really the ball like i think Ayuk is a good change up and i think he does well but there's definite correlation so shout out to debo mvp of the week getting that bag baby all right let's go over to studs and duds i'm gonna kick this off with my stud of the week being lamar jackson i don't know if you guys had the opportunity to watch any of this game or saw the social media clip floating around but lamar jackson the the ball was snapped from his center and he uh it was a missnap of, of some sort and the ball went flying behind him Lamar Jackson turned and sprinted. It was going into the end zone, by the way. Lamar Jackson turned. The ball was sitting in the end zone, and Lamar Jackson just punted it out of the back of the end zone. Gets my stud of the week because he got a safety versus if he would have fell on it, it would have been a touchdown for the opposing team. So uh, high IQ play by Lamar Jackson to just punt it out out of the back of the end zone versus fall on it and give him a touchdown. Did you notice he kicked it with his left foot? I did not. I feel like that not enough people cooler. are talking about Lamar Jackson and all of his coordination with all of his limbs. I didn't see that. He can just kick things left-footed. I was I just going to say, I was just going to say I would have whiffed. Like I would I would have whiffed <laughs> on the kick and then some they would have fell on it for the touchdown. That's probably like I was going to say that was pretty cool, but even knowing he did with his left, I definitely would have missed. There's mm-hmm. no way. How close that, one one can be from stud to dud. Yeah, just left a matter foot of left foot. God dang. I didn't realize it was left foot. That makes it even cooler because it was I watched it and was like, what the hell did he just do? And then it dawned on me and I'm like, oh my God, that was really smart. Like it, unfortunate circumstances, but you definitely took the best case scenario out of there. So mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. And he uh he got my set of the week for that reason. Now we will move it over to you, Alan. Yes. Uh, my stud, I don't usually do this. This is a kicker. Uh, we don't uh, normally talk about kickers. We don't like kickers. We it's love kickers on the podcast. Football. Just, yeah. Not fantasy football. Fantasy right. football, we don't like it. Um, but I, uh, Brandon Aubrey had to be my guy this week. I don't know if you watched the game. It, it, he basically helped tilt that game to the where it wasn't in question. Um, booted a 60-yarder, was 4-for-4. Four four, and he is still perfect on the season, 30 for 30, which is insane. So I had to give him a shout-out. Love love kickers on the podcast. Don't love them in fantasy. I felt like Brandon Aubrey deserved a little shout-out here. Yeah, a 60-yarder and then followed up promptly by a 59-yarder. <laughs> this guy is just unstoppable. He looks awesome. Didn't he just walk on to, like, the Cowboys? I don't, well, he's got some weird story where he didn't play college football, right? He played he, he played, played professional soccer. soccer as a defender. Yeah. In 2017, he was drafted by Toronto FC of Major League Soccer and played for the club's reserve team before moving to Bethlehem Steel FC. I don't know that much about soccer, but it sounds like he was in that I don't world. either. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but he can yeah. really kick things. That's all I heard. So good for well, him. Hey, he's doing it well. Got to get that. Like you said, I, look, man. Love kickers on the podcast. They just don't belong in fantasy football. So congratulations to uh, Brandon Aubrey on that, on Allen's stud of the week. And now, Scotty, I'll hand it over to you. 
Yeah, you guys both started with your studs. I'm going to kick it off with my dud of the week, which is really just me because Drake London had an awesome game. You know, he went, uh, he caught 10 of his 11 targets for 172 yards, 29.2 PPR points. And I'm the dud because this was very predictable because you know that the Bucks have this pass funnel defense. You know that uh, if there was any game for the Falcons to air it out, it was going to be this one. But I just didn't trust it. I I had Drake London sitting on my bench in three different leagues, and I was like, I'm not I'm not taking the bait. And then I uh, fucked myself. So Drake London, he he is a stud, but he rendered me the dud of the week. Mm. One of those Scotty mind trick reversals that we got there again. All right, uh, I'll give you my dud at being Joshua Dobbs, the pastronaut has finally come down to earth. He was benched this week. Um, very unfortunate to see after the cool year that he's had, but, um, he really wasn't looking that great for the Vikings over the last two weeks. So I understand why, um, he got my dud cause he got benched and I really wanted him to become the next Ryan Fitzpatrick of the NFL. Perhaps he still has that, but at this current juncture, he is now a backup. So the secret for him is just to not stay in an offense for too long, because this is just what he does. He comes in and everyone goes, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. And then he plays four or five more games and he sucks. And then he moves to a new team. Wow, this guy's pretty good. So it's just it's just restarting the cycle. He'll be just fine. Do you think the Browns wish they still had him like looking at what they're I mean, they have Joe Flacco right now. So like, <laughs> no, now they have Joe Flacco. They don't wish that at all. No, yeah. Joe Flacco might be the man still. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's elite. He's elite. I don't know. Well, I'll uh, I'll give it back over to you, Alan, for your dud. Yeah, the playing on Josh Dobbs being your dud. Uh, that whole game was a dud. Uh, the final score was three to zero, uh, which was the <laughs> lowest scoring game in a dome in NFL history. Three to nothing is unreal. I can't like what was the game we just had last week? I forget. It was another, I'm really like good at Patri- picking Patriots. these. Games. It was the Patriots, 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 Patriots and Chargers. Yeah. Yes, that's what it was. It was six nothing. Well, I'm following it up now with a three nothing game, and we'll see what I can do. Maybe two nothing will be next week. We got to find a game that will end in Ooh. two nothing, and that will also be my dad. I just can't imagine scoregami. I'm gonna look that up. It has to be. You think a two zero is a scoregami? I bet it's happened before. Like just a safety, and that's it. Yeah, maybe, maybe in the Big Ten West, but I can't imagine in the <laughs> NFL that it was ever a scoregami. I don't know. I, just, I, I do agree with you. Oh. That game wasn't done, though. It was terrible it, to watch. So five NFL games in history have finished with a score of two to nothing. <laughs> and it has not happened since the po- or since post-merger, though. So it could be the first one in the Super Bowl era. That would be super nice. cool. So. I'd have to look Let's at the for it next week. week. Well, who would it be is the question. Oh, this is a fun game. All right. Raiders Chargers. Got- <laughs> it's on Thursday. <laughs> Raiders Thursday night. Do nothing. Let's do it. Oh, prime time. <laughs> All right, Let's that or well, yeah, that's probably the best candidate for the games. I would say right, I'm putting a thousand dollars on it, especially because Justin Herbert's not playing. So, uh, Justin Herbert. All right, well, let's let's bet that. Um, and Scotty, I will uh, pass the buck back over to you for your stud of the week. Yeah, my stud of the week is Joe Burrow because he he warmed everyone's hearts. He warmed the hearts of America by graciously donating his box to that sounded worse than what it is he donated his box in the stadium uh to the quarterback who replaced him uh and he allowed his uh family to show up and watch the game and everything and uh after the after the game um i'm drawing a blank browning browning was uh you know 
talking to the media and said, yep, that's not my box. That costs a whole lot of money to get one of those. But Joe Burrow was kind enough to let my family go up there and watch the game from the box instead of being in the cold. So Joe Burrow is still the man from the sidelines. Dude, honestly, that is I did not know that. And that is a really cool move by him because I, I don't know, like I, I just to sit there and like root for your backup. And obviously you want your team to win. But like that's a really tricky thing to navigate in the NFL where like you want your team to win, but you also don't want to be replaced. Right. So you're like, I don't want that guy to do so much better than me. And obviously Joe Burrow is, is a lot better than, than Browning, but um, really cool gesture. I, I uh, it makes me respect Joe just a little bit more. So I like that. Mm. Okay. Let's go to the game of the week. The Ravens versus the Rams is what we have dubbed as the leather brains game of the week. Scotty. Yeah. This game was awesome. I, I didn't get to watch the whole game, which is disappointing. I had a pretty busy Sunday, but from what I did see, this was an awesome game. We've talked a little bit about it already, but just so you guys know, this game had a total of 859 yards of offense, 592 passing yards, 267 rushing yards. Both teams averaged over five yards per play. There were a few key d defensive stops uh, that made the game interesting, and then, of course, it went into overtime with a walk-off special teams touchdown. This is everything that you could hope for in a football game. It was amazing. It was. The Rams, you know, uh, Puka Nakua is still getting it done, to be honest with you both. And and that's something that there have been a lot of question marks. Is he going to do it with Cooper Cup coming back? I think I think he is the new Cooper Cup, to be honest with you. And Matthew Stafford still looks very elite. He's still passing at a very high rate, and, and that is very beneficial to Puka. But um, the Rams offense is a really, really fun offense. It, I, I think you really got to tip your hat off to, to Sean McVay because, you know, year after year, he finds a way to get it done with the talent that he has around him. And, and that's what they're doing. They are a scrappy team. So I, I don't think we can write the Rams off, but I will say that the Ravens are, I, I, I it's no surprise they're a Super Bowl contender at this point, but I really do believe that they, they are teed up to really go all the way this year. So it, it's a fun game and, and the Ravens are scary. So as of right I, now, what would you rank the Ravens in terms of teams in the NFL? Just total. Because I think they got to be number two or number three. I was going to say point. probably number two, to be honest. I, I, I have the 49ers winning the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I really do. I, and I, I think that the, you know, it's it, this is another conversation of any, any given Sunday. The Ravens are probably closer mm -hmm. to three for me. Um, I, I think that the Eagles still are a very good team. Cowboys um, aren't up there for you yet? I don't like the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are still fraudulent. And I know we'll talk about that game, so I don't want to go too far in the uh -huh. weeds of it. So we'll I'll, I'll reserve myself for the moment on that. But um, the Ravens are up there. They're definitely in the conversation, and they deserve to be. Yeah. I think the Ravens need to get a little healthier on defense. They got some injuries, which, you know, I know the Rams can be potent, but that's the only thing that would worry me about the Ravens is if they have to get into a shootout. And once you get in the playoffs, all you need is to have like one thing kind of be off in the game, but you need to be able to supplement it with something else being really strong. And that's one of those teams that go far. This game was fun. I watched it illegally on an illegal stream. Shout out to all the illegal streams that are out there. You do um, know that we go live clear. and people can hear you, right? That's I'm not saying which one. I don't okay. want them to take them down. I'm just saying it's illegal. Like I, I definitely do that. Um, We're about to watch Alan get swatted live on air. <laughs> Uh, but it was a great game. I, a high offensive output. It was a fun one to watch because everybody's making plays. Uh, Puka made a sick catch towards the end of the that game. Incredible. The punt return was sick. It literally had all facets of the game like contributing, and I think that's what makes with the most fun games to watch. So that was definitely a fun output. Also, just a shit ton of fantasy points all over the place. If you had a guy mm -hmm. in this game, odds are you walked away with more than your projected. 
outputs uh, for this particular week. Yeah, it was a fun one. Um, I, let's kick it over to the, the Vikings Raiders game. We kind of touched on this, but nobody really wanted to win this one. In fact, Justin Jefferson, he did come in. He kind of like dipped his toes in the water and then he promptly made his exit. Uh, he also didn't want to play in this game. So um, he went to the hospital actually uh, for what looked kind of like a back injury. Um, but the, uh, the head coach said that he was fine and he was able to travel home with the team. But it remains to be seen if he will play this next week. So... Noting all that, obviously the pastronaut, he got benched for Nick Mullen, so that also happened. And then Alexander Madison left this game as well with a sprained ankle and did not return to play, meaning Ty Chandler could be in play for you. That's a little sneak preview of the waiver wire that we have here in a little bit. But um, this game was terrible. There was a lot of injuries, and it was not a fun one to watch whatsoever. So anything else we want to take away from this? Yeah, I do. I started Justin Jefferson, needed a playoff push. I was like, finally get my guy back. Mm. Checking Twitter, he's out. Ribs are broken. He died again. (laughs) It's just underscoring this season. What is happening? Everybody's dying. This is If there was ever a year that you needed to be on Johnny on the spot with the waiver wire, this was the year to do it because you couldn't. I would be hard-pressed, and I'd love to see it from any of the listeners or anybody that interacts with us on Twitter. If you have your original... Mo- like I would even say 95 of your original like drafted players still carrying you, I would be amazed because I would be willing to guess it's like 60% at this point at best across I, any of the teams. I'm actually in a couple of leagues where there were two leagues that I didn't really, you know, they're, they're low money leagues, don't really pay attention. They're kind of lower on the totem pole and I didn't make a lot of moves. And I don't think I'm going to win either of those leagues, but I am going to make the playoffs in both of those leagues. So I'm going to go ahead and send them right over to you for my cash price. Yeah, I want to see it. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I I mean, you have to play the waiver wire. And this year is really, uh, obviously, I guess in some instances, Scotty didn't. But, like, for myself, um, I had to. I mean, you, you have to. And and that's you get you hit on, like, people like Kyron Williams or Adam Thielen, who helped carry you for a while. Like, there was a lot of big-name people that came out of nowhere that were very beneficial for you. So, waiver wire definitely was uh, was the, the stud this year. And mm-hmm. your entire other roster was studs. Um, speaking of studs, the Bengals, Jake Browning, man, he uh, he looked really great against um, against the opposing team, who I am the Colts, right? <laughs> this is good podcasting. This is great podcasting. <laughs> we don't. You don't even know who they played. No, I, admittedly, I didn't watch this game. I was very focused on the Broncos game um, for a while, which is really oh. gross, but. Uh, I didn't Amazing. watch this one. Amazing. It's a good I'll one. Let you figured out. Damn. I'll let you figure it was it against out. the Colts, and it was thirty-four to. <laughs> it was a... <laughs> God dang. It was the Colts. Uh, it was. Yeah, Jake. I, Brown, I, Jake Browning is the star, though. No, and that's really like I said. I didn't really have a whole lot going on in this game for me to want to watch it anyway. I was more focused on the Broncos, but um, Jake Browning. I, I did want to have a conversation about him because I do think that he has looked really well, and that was a kind gesture that Joey B did for him. I did not know about that, so that was really cool that Joey B let him use his uh, family's suite. But <laughs> his um, I, I I do think that you know is this a detriment to Zach Taylor and how good of a coach he's been, Scotty? I mean, what do you think about this? Yeah, the thing that I wanted to point out is you could just see the the way this offense has adjusted to losing their star quarterback, which is it, it is impressive and it is a testament to Zach Taylor because you can see that they have changed their mindset from trying to make big plays downfield to just simplifying the offense, let Jake Browning throw short, easy completions and get their stars in space. And they've done that and they found a lot of success with it. So I think Jake Browning's success 
is also a testament to Zach Taylor's coaching ability. And by the way, Jake Browning now has a record-breaking 79.3 completion percentage through his first three starts. That hasn't been done since 1950. And again, you know, Jake Browning has been looking pretty good, but I think that is more of a testament to this coaching and the way that the offense has adjusted to what could have been a, you know, well, what was a detrimental injury, but could have severely tanked their season. And this team still looks like they've got quite a bit of fight left in them. I mean, they're definitely trying to fight to to stay playoff relevant. And I think that they are still within that conversation. I don't have the statistics in front of me to, to say that, but they're not out of it. Um Chase Brown, he's another guy that I did want to talk about a little bit. I he was watching Red Zone, and this was flipping on and off. But Chase Brown, he's Joe Mixon's backup. He looked really, really good. Um, in fact, I think he looks better than Joe Mixon. And I know this is a one-game spread, and he didn't see the ball a lot, but he was getting used for a lot of the passing down work, and he was getting used very effectively. Do you guys expect to see more Chase Brown through the stretch of the rest of the season? I, I think so, because he's a change-up back. Like, he, he has that next gear. I think he hits the hole a little bit harder. I think um, Mixon will, will get you those tough yards, but I think I always like guys that can just go the distance. Those are always my favorite. Love to have them in there. And I think he's got to be in there. I think you see it. You saw the even the Steelers discovering that, um, or the Ravens discovering that, rather. Um, mm-hmm. You're seeing teams find those guys that are like, yeah, you're like, hey, I can find this guy that can crease – crease it, find the hole, and go, and that just totally changes how your quarterback can operate. And I think that also is a testament to bringing him in, leveraging him is helping Jake Browning because those safeties are now coming down a little bit more, and he's able to like freely go over the top and challenge him with two amazing wide receivers that you can trust to come down with the ball. So it's a lot working in his favor. So I know Matt pointed out like Zach's coaching, the way they've done things, it's definitely they're, – they're leveraging their resources appropriately um, and unlocking something here with uh, Jake mm-hmm. It was yeah. pretty disappointing to see the usage of these wide receivers in this game, though. I mean, they it, T. Higgins mm-hmm. and Jamar Chase together combined for five catches for a total of less than 40 yards. Or, I'm sorry, T. had 72 on, on two. So, um, less than 100 yards between the two of them. And, and that is very disappointing when you have the high caliber of those two wide receivers. But, you know, at the end of the day, a, a win is a win, and that's what the Bengals are here to do. They're not here to get us to win fantasy football necessarily. <gasps> so for those that were counting on Jamar Chase to have another explosive week, unfortunately got four points. But um, they got the win, and that's that's really what the Bengals are after. Yeah, and I mean, you can't expect the Bengals' offense to look exactly the same as it was prior to the injury of Joe Burrow. I mean, you have to understand that even, you know, there are going to be spike weeks because these players are so talented, but it's not going to be sustainable. Jake Browning is not going to throw for 400 yards every game like Joe Burrow is capable of doing when he's healthy. So um, it's just one of those things. But Chase Brown, man, that, that touchdown reception that he had on that little screen pass, he got up to 22 miles an hour. That's one of the faster times clocked in the NFL this season. Uh, he very clearly has that breakaway speed. So, you know, just looking at that one play, uh, you see the potential of this guy and you see the impact that he can make on the offense. So I think you're definitely going to see a lot more of him. But, you know, on the flip side of the coin, we got to talk about Zach Moss because this is now two games in a row as the starter where he has been very disappointing. And what's really disappointing about this game, there are a lot of fantasy analysts out there saying, hey, the Bengals' defense has been pretty rough. You can expect Zach Moss to get you know a heavy workload and a lot of yards, and we didn't really see that at all in this game. 
I'm wondering, are you guys, you know, I start Zach Moss in one of my leagues, um, and I'm sure a lot of people are with the injury to Jonathan Taylor. Are we concerned about this going forward? Is he losing some of that efficiency that we saw? Or maybe was his high efficiency more matchup dependent than we realized earlier in the season? I think probably a healthy mix of both of those things is in, you know, let's meet somewhere in the middle um is kind of where I'm at yeah the matchups I think definitely throughout the season were probably a part of that conversation but let's also not forget that Gardner Minshew is now their starting quarterback and at the time you know for Zach Moss when he had a lot of really good games Anthony Richardson was also in place so it was a different quarterback they've changed their offensive scheme a little bit to try and compensate more for Gardner Minshew's skill set than what Richardson brings to the table and you know Jonathan Taylor was supposed to be back and, he, and, and now we have Zach Moss again. So, And they're not the same caliber running back. Yeah, Zach Moss has been great this year in certain games. In other games, he's been complete duds. But you can't sit there and tell me that Jonathan Taylor is not the better running back. Like, it's very obviously the case. So you have a mixture of, of all of that. And I think that the Bengals, their defense really sat down and like, what what are the Colts good at? Well, they typically run the ball pretty well. Let's take that away from them and make Gardner Minshew throw the ball. And they tried to. And it... it it didn't end well for the Colts, obviously. So uh, Zach Moss, I, I still think, depending on the matchup, and let's see what happens with the Jonathan Taylor here within, in the next couple weeks and see if he does come back. But I think Zach Moss is still a viable starter just due to the volume that he's seeing. That's something that you can't argue with. He saw 13 touches this last week. The week before, he saw 19. He's still going to be in play until Jonathan Taylor comes back. I think Moss is still within starting conversation for me. Mm-hmm. I think so too. I also think it's it's interesting that the running backs, as much as they got shit on in the offseason for how much money they weren't making, they're seeing you're seeing them in pockets where it's kind of been the theme of this year where good running backs have kind of carried you in spots. I mean, we just talked about Mitchell, you know, JT going down. It's like inherently we all know that there's good runners and bad runners, but it's like the NFL still just severely undervalues them. Um, I did see a, uh, a tweet the other day when Shohei Otani signed that contract with the Dodgers mm-hmm. and basically said that his contract, the Dodgers could have paid for every single NFL running back in the NFL <laughs> right now with the amount they paid one player in Major League Baseball. Crap. Every that's single one. Get. Starters. That's what you get with no salary second. caps, bro. <laughs> so it's, it's, wow. that's kind of a, it's an interesting dichotomy between the two sports. <laughs> Yeah, when one guy's making the entire salary of every position of a single I mean, position I, group in the NFL. I got to say that I think this season has really underscored the NFL's point. I mean, you're seeing Agreed. all these great running backs and them missing time and not being very reliable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, look at Austin Eckler. He was complaining for so long about not having this big contract. And he has looked bad, like not even when he's getting a lot of touches. He's just looked slow. He's looked old. And that's exactly the problem with these NFL players uh, getting paid and uh, you, you compare it to the MLB they don't have a salary cap so they can pay people whatever they want it's just the it's owner's amazing. money but when you're talking about you know you have limited resources you really have to use that wisely and right now it does not look like running backs are a very good investment no and like I'm gonna I've, this is just fantasy conversation I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna just read these names off real quick you have CMC at I'm going to go from the top down as far as who's the highest point scorer. CMC is number one, Travis Etienne at two, Raheem Mostert, Rashad White, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Bajon Robinson, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Kyron Williams. A lot of these guys are really young guys. Kyron Williams, Mm -hmm. Brees Hall, Bajon Robinson, Rashad White, Travis Etienne. All of those guys are, are very young individuals who aren't seeing the expensive second contract yet, right? So... 
I do agree with Scotty. I think that this really undervalues the argument that running backs have been making. Josh Jacobs, he's number 11. He was one of those guys. Christian McCaffrey is his own animal. That guy is a freak. And Raheem Mostert doesn't have a lot of miles on him. He is an older running back, but he's kind of been a backup for a lot of years and kind of just hip-hopped around and not seen a lot of as much usage as some of these other yep. guys. Where's Tony Pollard? He's at nine. He's he, and he's – where is Zeke? Zeke is just starting to see time because – uh Stevenson is so out. like yeah like you have yeah. these guys who were in that zoom call that were bitching and complaining Derek Henry's at 14 like these older guys are not getting it done they're not producing so how how do you justify paying them a very expensive second contract unless your name is Christian McCaffrey of course yeah it, it, it's reflected in the in the rules of the game now too because you I mean we've talked about this ad nauseum but like the wide receivers and tight ends can't you can't hit them like you used to and the running back is really the last group where if you're running between the tackles, you will get hit. You know, you will get banged up. We've had a lot of running backs in and out. Pacheco was just out, even though he's an animal. Like, you can only take so much. Yeah. And for these owners, I mean, you're right. When you're used car shopping, you don't go for the high miles. No. Yeah. Austin Eckler's at 21 on the season. And, like, that's a far cry from where he was drafted at. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, young guy, like you mentioned, is is at 16. So it's it's just the the my point being is the entire running back market is just a complete – crapshoot and why would you spend a lot of money when you can have somebody like Kyron Williams or Isaiah Pacheco who Mm -hmm. you drafted late you're getting a lot of usage out of you use them for two or three years you don't pay him a second contract and then you just go back to the well and keep drinking the same water like that's kind of what the running backs unfortunately are trending towards and and there's an argument to not pay them for that reason uh, and not to mention, it makes a lot more sense, and we're seeing it more and more in the NFL, to have a pretty big running back room with multiple guys that you can go to depending on the situation. You know, the, the days of the Derrick Henry bell cow are slowly starting to wean away, and we're not going to see that as much because, you know, you look at someone like CMC, who is the prototypical perfect running back. He's, a, he's you know, great on the ground, obviously great with his feet. He's fast. He can run hard. But he's also a great pass catcher, and he's great with running routes, and he knows how to read defenses. And a lot of times you don't get all of those attributes in one single guy. So you have to get multiple dudes, which means you can't pay them as much. And that's just the reality of the situation and the reality of the position. So, you know, it sucks for running backs who want to go make $70 million, but it's probably not going to happen. So just enjoy your time in the NFL, make a few million bucks and be happy. Speaking of things that are uh, dwindling, the Broncos playoffs chances are not. They are actually skyrocketing. It's the complete opposite. So the Broncos destroyed the Chargers this last week, 24 to 7. Brandon Staley is still employed for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, And Justin Herbert, he did fracture his finger on his throwing hand, and he will not play in this Thursday night game where the final score will be 2-0. It is also worth noting that, uh, you know, you had met, we were talking about Austin Eckler and his usage, and and Scotty, you had mentioned his explosiveness just did not look like it was there this year comparative to last year. Um, Staley had come out right before this game and said, hey, we're going to start mixing in some of our other running backs to see if we can get any sort of spark there. So Isaiah Spiller, uh, he started to steal some touches from Eckler. I just want to note that because for dynasty purposes, I would be going to grab him. Austin Eckler's on a one-year contract and will be done after this year. Uh, And even if you're in a deep league, maybe just go grab Isaiah Spiller and just throw him on your bench and see what happens if you're going into the playoffs or you want to play keep away. May not be the worst idea. it's unfortunate, though. I mean, Austin Eckler has been one of those guys who has been a bell cow, get you a shit ton of fantasy points guy, and it looks like maybe those those days are over for him. So uh, very unfortunate there. But I it really what I want to talk about here is the Broncos very quickly. Um, guys, the Broncos have a really 
decent chance at making the playoffs here, which is absurd. And Sean Payton's a piece of shit, and he's a scumbag, but he's about to get the Broncos to the playoffs. So the the next four games for the Broncos are the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders, all within the realm of possibility. Now, if I were to pick out the hardest game, it would be the Lions. They have the Lions this next week here. And even if the Broncos lose to the Lions this week, which seems probable, they still have a 94% chance to make the playoffs if they beat the Patriots, Chargers, and Raiders. Scotty, I blame you. Yep, that's fair. It's all your fault. Yeah, you it is. It is. It is my fault, and it makes me depressed. Yeah, I came on this podcast and mm-hmm. jinxed the whole world, and here we are. Now we have to deal with watching Russell Wilson in the playoffs, <laughs> and this offense put up 14 points a game, um, and probably still win because their defense is going to get seven turnovers a game. So it's just, I don't know. I it it's rendered me without words because I am depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. I I really don't. That that offense is not good. Like it looks. So it's not hear good, me out. But, okay, I'm listening. Hear me out. Is this almost detriment like detrimental to next season because they were on pace to get a stud asset, a stud wide receiver, a stud tight end that could have really helped even push this offense even further. And they found something late in the season. They're catching teams that are having dying quarterbacks uninterested out of it. And so there's a little bit of schedule in play. There's a little bit of how the season's unfolded. But it's almost like fool's gold because if they were catching all these teams at full strength without injuries, which that doesn't always happen, I don't think they'd be in this position. But they are, so we're so we're talking about it, and they have all of this momentum behind them. But I, I there's two things I'm nervous, or two things I'm wondering about from the Broncos. If they're pissed because now they're not going to get as good, even if they sneak in the playoffs, now they're at the back, right? Now you, you were still rebuilding, but now you kind of caught lightning in a bottle. And two, I'll be interested to see how the rest of the season plays out because it's a little different when you give up 60 points and you think the season's over and you're just kind of out there playing, playing hard and just like no pressure on you. Now the pressure's ratcheted up. They're a game behind in the in the division. They can even win the division still. And so there's that in play and there's making the playoffs. So we'll see as the pressure ratchets up and they hear it like, oh, we can actually do this, how they how they respond. What a – okay, this I think you did. I think you just did this the spin cycle on us. You just gave me reason to hope because now I hope they do make the playoffs and they make a decent run. They're not able to add any real pieces, and then we see the same, you know, lackluster offense come in and just suck it up next year. Maybe lose some key defensive guys. Maybe win two games, three games, and then oh, this is a big. This is big brain energy right now. Mm-hmm. You guys are finding real like this is you're getting deep in the pockets here to try and figure out a way to spin zone this for your guys's like happiness. I just don't like Sean Payton. I have no skin in this game. I just think Sean Payton's a piece of shit, and I don't want the Broncos <laughs> to be good. And I don't like Russell Wilson. Mm. So I'm I'm I don't want the Broncos to be good. But here we are. Thank you, Scotty. <laughs> um, speaking of fucking me. Uh, let's talk nice about the Chiefs. let's talk about the Chiefs losing. <laughs> My uh, wife, uh, Alan. I'm sure you have as many thoughts on this as I do. Would you like to take it away, or you want me to to, to yeah? Del- let me dive in. Let me. I'll let you get into your spiel because I know you got some things to say. I will just say. My only complaint about this is just, and this has been a complaint, not even from this game, is just the inconsistency of officiating. 
you're calling it, you're not calling it. We saw it at the Super Bowl last year. They weren't calling it, they called it. We saw it on this game, they weren't calling it, they called it. You've seen it in games every weekend. There's always something they're like just not calling, but it happens to be a penalty. So everybody's like, well, it's a penalty. It's not that it's not a penalty or it is a penalty. And I think, you know, Mahomes getting all frustrated, it's really centered around just the consistency of it. Last week, no call. He didn't say anything. This week, now they want to call something. And I think it's it's frustrating, at, and I get where they are there to a boiling point. It's just very ironic that depending on how you feel about the Chiefs is how you feel about the calls they did or didn't get. And I will say, my, my caveat to, to all this too is, imagine if the teams were flipped. Imagine the discussion we'd be having or the talking heads would be having right now if the Bills were the one that were needing to score and they had the wide receiver line up off sides and they hadn't called it all game, and that helped the Chiefs win we would be hearing an incessant rage from people complaining about the inconsistency of the calls. So now it's either damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think it's just inconsistency is just really kind of like ruined some of these games that could be fun to watch down at the end. And even going to the Super Bowl, I'm not saying the Chiefs haven't benefited from it. I think just the whole thing is just I would love more consistency because it should just be about the players on the field. We shouldn't be having to have these discussions right or wrong. It's just annoying. It's an annoying overlay to an otherwise like fun game to watch. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I, I will say when the Chiefs brought on Kadarius Tony, you know, we, we all, as, as a Chiefs fan, I saw Kadarius Tony and I saw the upside. I mean, when he's healthy, he was shifty. He was good. He looked like he might be able to be the Tyreek Hill light that we needed to make some plays. I never realized that, um, the, the, the floor of Kadarius Tony was, it's actually better if he didn't exist at all. Like, like I would like to put Kadarius Tony and maybe you can throw Juwan Taylor on this too and, and put them in a front row seat on a rocket ship and deport them into the sun is what I would like to do. And I think the chiefs would be better for it. We can complain about the call all we want to. We really can. But Kadarius Tony is just fucking blind. I understand. Okay. If it's like your head is near the line of scrimmage and it's kind of iffy. Half of Kadarius Tony's body was over the line of scrimmage. You get paid millions of dollars to play this game. How the mm-hmm. fuck do you not check with the referee, check with the football, and make sure you're not a yard off sides? It is just the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. So the call is what it is. Here's the thing. You know, people, last year this call was made one time. There was one flag thrown the entire season for this call. This year it's clear the NFL is making a concerted effort to, to change this because it's been called 11 times this season. So they are being consistent with it this year. And that may be different than what all these NFL players have experienced, but to some degree, that's got to be coaching. You got to realize, Hey, mm-hmm. okay, this is something that teams have got away with for a long time. Now you're not getting away with it. So you can't line up offsides. You have to check with the referee. Like you've done since you were six years old in peewee football. It's just embarrassing Here's, that we have to even be having this conversation. If you listen to Dan Orlovsky, um, he was on today and he had some video. There were nine plays before this where Kadarius Tony was lined up in the exact same spot. Still, it's just inconsistent. Not that they shouldn't have called it. Like if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. Just call it. It's literally comes down to like, I think it's a lot of the inconsistency, but I agree. He's <laughs> but, an idiot. Well, and uh, look, he, I'm, I'm not trying to rile anybody up. Rile me up, bro. I don't want to, Give but it to I, me. I, my, here's my thing. We retweeted a tweet right before we started uh, the show here. And in this tweet, it was a sideline reporter. It, it was a camera. Like, I think they were on their phone or something. And it showed 
him line up offsides and the caption said something along the lines of um he did check before he, it was like him looking over the problem was is his stupid ass wasn't set so he did look over at the ref and he did kind of point at him like hey am i good the problem was is he was still moving he was not set yet and then he turned and looked back at the ball so he wasn't set before he looked at it. I, I get what you're what you're saying. Should the flag have been thrown? Yes, it should have been. And I'm not saying it should have been on the other nine, Alan. That, that's not what I'm trying to say here. But if you watch when the flag was thrown, it was as soon as the ball was oh, snapped. Yeah. It was not. Yep. It was they not it. well before you know Travis Kelsey. It wasn't when Kelsey caught the ball and then I'm... they decided, hey, I'm going to throw the flag now. So they didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And for that Nobody's reason, here is arguing that it wasn't. What we're arguing is it's inconsistent. If sure. you're doing something for 60 minutes playing a game, lining up the same way, you're See, not expecting on all of a sudden the the 10th time. That All I'm saying is the inconsistency of it all. We've seen it all year. They either call something or they don't, or they pick and choose. And it's like, even from minute to minute, possession to possession, it's not consistent. And even in baseball, that's why they have to have consistency. You have to know what you're dealing with the rest of the game. Like, am I going to get away with this? In basketball, can I get away with a touch foul? Am I allowed to like hang on his hip? Can I elbow him a few times? And then all of a sudden they call at the very end. That's what they're. That's what I think is kind of frustrating because it's more obvious, even with the shrunken games that we have in the NFL, because there's just fewer possessions overall. And so uh, it's just I, highlighting this. Yeah. I didn't see anything from Dan Orlovsky. I'll have to go back and look at it. I just have a really hard time believing that Kadarius Toney lined up a yard offsides nine times. I think it's possible he was you know, pushing it, but that was – I've never, I've never seen anyone line up that far offsides. Ever. It, it, I mean, it was very apparent, and so that mm. that becomes my question: is is as Chiefs fans, are you sitting here mad at the rest that they didn't call this over and over again, or are you mad at Kadarius no. Tony for lining up offsides? And, no, and I, really, I, you guys <laughs> are speaking for all of Chiefs Kingdom when I ask this question because oh God, that's a lot that's, of that's what I want to know: are Chiefs fans mad at Kadarius Tony, or are you mad at the refs, or are you mad at the situation? That's um, what I want to know. Speaking for myself, and maybe this is representative, but you know, we've had we had this conversation all last year too, and and many times it was in the Chiefs' favor. But at the end of the day, you can't let a penalty determine the game. You have to make the plays necessary to make it so that one penalty doesn't determine whether or not you win or lose. So there are a million reasons why the Chiefs are underperforming right now, and Chiefs' kingdom should be mad at all of them. Uh, but Kadarius Tony has single-handedly lost two games now, yep. and so. For me, my frustration really pinpoints to him because it's just how many times can you make these stupid mistakes? You're supposed to be a professional at this game and you can't, you know, dropping a ball, you know, that's a that's a bang bang sort of situation shit happens. When you're doing something as dumb as lining up a yard offsides when the game is coming down to the wire, that's a mental problem. Like that that is that is really bad and I really do think the Chiefs need to start thinking about limiting Kadarius Tony's time on the field because he is becoming a liability more than an asset. <laughs> you want to know the kick in the dick? Is his time was limited, and this was his time on the field. He also had a drop, a couple. I think he had one, maybe two drop passes too. One would have made a third and short and kept the drive going, and they could have scored more points. Maybe not been in this situation. Like the end of game is always highlighted. There's always plays that can be made throughout. So, I think for me, uh, as a Chiefs fan, I'm not mad at the refs. Like I'm mad at the inconsistency because that is kind of annoying. But like like Matt just said, just handle your shit. And, like, don't let it come down to that. I think the Chiefs had ample opportunities to win this game, putting offensive drives together. After the Chiefs went down 14-0, the, the Bills kicked three field goals the rest mm -hmm. of the game. That's all they did. They, they, they didn't do anything. 
they literally didn't do anything the rest of the game and they had every opportunity to do it. I think a little bit falls on Matt Nagy. I think a little bit falls on Reed. A little bit falls on the front office, as we've talked about. They just don't have the weapons. They're incompetent. And we're, we're surprised when it gets to the end of the game that they were incompetent. I'm just not surprised anymore. I, you highlighted what I was going to say to conclude this conversation is perhaps we need to stop looking at Kadarius, or not stop looking at Kadarius Tony, but maybe pull our, our microscope back farther and look at I think Matt Nagy is a huge component of this. I think if Eric Bieniemy was on this team and he was still the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are still performing at a much higher level than they are this year. And I, I do mm-hmm. think that is a huge component of this is Matt Nagy's your offensive coordinator. You lost Bieniemy, and now you're seeing some of what Bieniemy did to make the Chiefs as good as they were. Yeah, and yeah. I think – I think the other thing, if you've watched any of the post game, if you have ESPN on, you can't get away from it, um, is that Mahomes post game rants, which will be highlighted. And I've seen people talk about, oh, that's not how a leader acts. And I feel like 99.9% of the time, Mahomes doesn't say a damn thing. He said, it's on mm-hmm. me. It's on me. And at some point, you do get frustrated. They're playing a physical game. It's mentally draining. The same shit keeps happening. And, and I think he's come out on Kansas City Radio today and even said, like, Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. I got the best of me. Got the best of me. But everybody does that. Every every quarterback, great or terrible, has had a moment where they just absolutely freaked out. And so hoping that they actually have some accountability. The wide receivers need to get their shit together. They need to stop involving Kadarius Tony. then if he's a liability. Like at some point, you're just doing this to yourself. So all agreed all the way around. It was a penalty. Happy to move on. Uh, happy to move on to the night game, which went wildly differently than I thought it was going to. As Dallas beats the Eagles thirty-three to thirteen, I think the biggest takeaway from this game to me is just the Philadelphia offense. Um, this game, they did not score a single offensive touchdown. Their lone touchdown came on a strip sack of Dak Prescott, which Jalen Carter. Uh, ran in for a touchdown. Other than that, they produced a couple field goals on offense. And when you have weapons like that, you have the offensive line that you do. Six points is totally unacceptable. And even in their last two games, they're getting outscored. They got outscored 75 to 32. And this is the wrong time for your offense to be going into a shell this late in the year. I know they're banged up. It's been a long season. They're a lot. They're they're dealing with some shit too. But they're just trending in the wrong wrong direction. And I just don't know who to place the blame on. Like, is it the play calling? Is it Jalen Hurts? Is it the teams they're playing? Like, where do we want to put, like, this Philly, like, kind of backslide they've done? Because it's not that they just lost. They haven't been competitive in back-to-back weeks. Mm. They haven't been competitive all year. I just want to say that. And and I, I don't mean that as they really haven't. The Eagles are good. Roster-wise, they haven't changed much. But if you look at this team, I, I was saying this, like, week four. Like, this this offense does not look the same. And mm-hmm. now you're putting it up, putting them up against an, an elite defense, and you see what happens. That I'm concerned, and I'm not an Eagles yeah. fan, but if I was, I would be very concerned here because the Eagles are sitting like everyone's saying the Eagles are, are Super Bowl favorites. The Eagles are going to go all the way. The Eagles have what it takes. Do they? Because we just saw what happened this last week, and it's got me sitting here scratching my head, saying, "I don't think they do. I don't know if they they are talent wise. They are, but." The offense does not look the same as it did last year. I've been saying that all year, and I'm going to continue to say it because it doesn't. It doesn't look as explosive. It doesn't look like – it just doesn't look as explosive. I mean, that's that's the end of the conversation. And so I'm not surprised that Dallas won. I'm surprised Dallas won by as much as they did. Right. 
But I'm not surprised Dallas won because I think the Eagles' offense has struggled for a large majority of the season. Well, and here's the thing, too. I mean, we're talking a lot about the offense, and rightly so, because they've looked rough the last couple of weeks, but their defense has been consistently mm-hmm. bad uh, all season long. And when their offense is able to overcome that, they win games. That's why they've been in so many close games. That's why they've won a bunch of close games, because they have the weapons that they do. And even in this game, you know, watching it, if you're watching it in a vacuum, you know, take last week away, and you're just watching this last game against Dallas – What I took away is they had a ton of opportunities to make plays. They were moving the ball relatively well, but then their key players uh, gave the ball away or dropped the ball. You know, we we not only saw star receivers give the ball away, but we also saw them drop balls that hit them in the face. And then we saw Jalen Hurts, of course, make the uh, fumble as well. So you have to have your key players... Uh, locked in and if you take away those fumbles and you you give a couple of those catches that were dropped I think we're talking about a completely different game here this offense actually looked okay except for the huge mistakes that cost them the game the defense has been consistently terrible they have no consistency at all in their secondary and they're allowing teams to score on them at will and that's going to be a real problem whether they get this offense together or not yeah, I think if you're from a fantasy perspective, you're just a little nervous. I think they have some get right games. They get to play the Giants a couple times. They get the Seahawks. So they get some opportunities to kind of feel good about themselves. I think this was a rough couple games from a fantasy perspective. I mean, can you, there's a lot of people that will probably have AJ Brown or Devonta or, you know, Hurts potentially in their lineups. Like, what do we think they can get right over the last half of the season and produce like we need to? Or do you feel like this is kind of how they are and how they're going to be? I, th- I think they're going to have a lot of opportunities to get right. I'm actually pretty nervous because they play the Seahawks uh, away this next week. And, you know, <laughs> when when they first started this gauntlet of games and they were winning these close games against good teams, it was like, all right, you know, they're not perfect, but they're scrappy enough that they can pull out these wins. And now after these last two losses, I'm looking at the Seahawks game going, this might be a must win for them because if they go in and lose to the Seahawks, which is it's a tough road environment. The Seahawks have shown that they're capable of they're putting frisky. together a pretty good offense. Um, if they go in and lose this game, th- this is going to be a rough end of the season for them. Um, so I think that there's a chance that they come out and get right, but I'm pretty nervous about this upcoming week. You start I, I for fantasy. I mean, you start the guys that get you there, right? Jalen Hurts is obviously a must start. He's quarterback two on the season and his rushing upside and, and his tush push ability to get you some fantasy points is too sexy to set on your bench. You start Jalen Hurts, and realistically, I think you're probably starting A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. All Mm -hmm. those guys are still in play. Dallas Goddard. They're all there because of the opportunity. But I think think you got to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. You almost got to pair them with a really good play, like a good volume play or somebody that's going to maybe have some good boomer bust potential because you might need to supplement it depending on how this goes. I'll tell you the game I'm circling really quickly that could determine we got a little cardinals eagles on new year's eve you know little bird yes. game baby little you know we never know that might want to be a little frisky so we might want to circle that one as uh, we look to end the year for the eagles why <laughs> why just just to have something to talk about for the cardinals <laughs> mm. yeah, I appreciate i'm sure that. we'll get to them at the waiver wire yeah uh, true. there's no cardinal players on the waiver wire this <laughs> oh I damn just, it I, yeah. let me finally tapped out yeah that's because everybody got smart and picked them all up uh, all right, let's go over to the brain busters. We only have one question, but uh, we, you know, a question's a question, so uh, let's do it. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. We actually have two questions, but they're both from the same gentleman. So Wilson27 says, will the Steelers win another football game this season? They have the Colts, Bengals, Seahawks, and Ravens. What is their record right now? Because Mike Tomlin's going to find a way to just stay right over 500. So let me see, because <laughs> that's going to determine my answer. Uh, Steelers are third in the AFC. I don't know their record, though. Steelers record. They are seven and six. So I'm going to say they win. I'll say they win one more. That would Which bring one? them to eight and six, and they'll tie and be 50 50. Um. I think the Colts are probably the easiest. Yeah. 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 So I Colts. could see I could see the I could see them getting more tape on Browning in that Bengals mm. game getting a little interesting cuz he's going to have some gonna tape on him now and Tomlin's not stupid. No, the the Bengals or the Bengals, the Steelers will finish right at 500 this year. They'll find a way to <laughs> do it. The Steelers will win one of these games, they'll lose oh, the he- rest. Hear me out. They're going to win 3. I think they're going to they win 3. Both. I think they beat the Bengals, and then I think the Ravens are resting the last game of the season. I don't think the Ravens are playing any starters. Ooh, that's yeah, but the implications—they might have to. to, to but if they, sec- in, but, but if, if they, they secure don't. the one, if they secure the one by the, then, which they very well could, they could just be sitting, and Ugh. the Steelers win three more. It is interesting. I'm going to say they'll win one more game. Okay, Scotty, where are you at? I'm going to say two. Okay. Nice. I like this. Right in the way middle. To, way to Sitting roll. on the fence like a true gentleman. <laughs> way to be a bitch. Uh, Wilson27 <laughs> asks, uh, he says, also, what's your thoughts on the NFL hosting two primetime games tonight? I don't like it. Not a I fan. I forgot. I forgot. I don't mind it. Um, here's the reason why. We have seen so many primetime games absolutely fucking suck, so I like to have <laughs> options. Give us like, I, I want to be able to switch to the better game. And then if they're both good and you got YouTube TV – you just throw them both on there, and if they both what suck, are, I don't know. You go I don't read think a book YouTube or TV. Yeah, you can, can split can these. Put, I think. Can you? Because they're yeah, they're both ABC channels, so you should be able. If you have YouTube TV, you should be able to multicast them. Shout oh. out YouTube TV. No free ads. Yeah, no. Free yeah, ads. no free ads. Um, okay. Yeah, those. Yeah, I didn't. I forgot. I bet you they're going to be bad. One's going to be a blowout. And one's going to be low scoring and boring. Yeah, who cares? I mean, it's it's Packers, Giants, and Titans, Dolphins. So the Titans, Dolphins. I mean. A lot of people have Dolphins players. Packers they might both be blowouts. Packers, Packers need the Packers might. I don't know. They're playoff. Around and, <laughs> playoff. Around and find out. Fuck. Yeah, man. We'll see. All right. Waiver wires. Scotty, take us away. Oh, yeah. Okay. Waiver wire. So my first waiver wire ad here is someone I've been eyeballing for a while. I actually added him in one of my leagues uh, and did play him this last week. Congratulations, me. Um, but Matthew Stafford, he's only 33.5% rostered. And guess what? Stafford, through the last three weeks, has more passing touchdowns than any NFL quarterback. And he's uh, top six in passing yards with 802 passing yards. This is Rams offense is really starting to pick things up here. And guess what? They play Washington next week, uh, who gives up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Um, so Matthew Stafford, if you are one of these people who are dealing with these quarterback injuries, you have an opportunity to jump on in there and throw a guy in who's a plug and play option that might be able to win you your week. 
since uh when was their bye week week 10 so since he got off bye week matt stafford is actually quarterback nine so top 10 qb bro only 33 percent rostered he's in play i like it who's uh did you bring anybody else Yes, I also brought Zamir Whites, and this is a little bit more of a dart throw, even given the situation. But Josh Jacobs did go down in the fourth quarter last week with an injury. He did not return. Um, the Raiders are on a short week this week, so I think there's a pretty good chance Josh Jacobs doesn't play. And if that's the case, we're going to see some Zamir White. And if you are a, an avid listener of this podcast, you've heard me talk about Zamir White several times, most recently a couple episodes ago where I said he was a bust because I picked him up in a lot of these deeper leagues thinking that he might get some playing time. He hasn't really. Now's his opportunity. So Amir Abdullah, who's a Nebraska alum, shout out Cornhuskers, uh, but he's more of that passing down back where he'll get in on, the, on third down plays, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think Zamir White might take over a primary role in this backfield, especially for them to see what they have with Josh Jacobs uh, or, or with Zamir White. So I uh, am pretty excited about that opportunity. I don't know if there are fantasy implications there necessarily, but I am excited to see him get on the field. Yeah, that one's a little bit deeper. I like Matthew Stafford. Zamir White, I don't know if I can get behind, but I understand the reasoning why. The two people I brought to the table, uh, Ty Chandler. He is the running back for the Vikings. He is 28% rostered, and he took over the majority of the running back work with Alexander Madison leaving the game. So um, Madison could be back. It's an ankle issue. If he's not 100%, I think Ty Chandler is just worth grabbing as a potential flex consideration if Madison is not a go. And they're playing against the Bengals uh, this upcoming week, and they have a pretty just okay rush defense. So could be a play. And the other one is Chase Brown. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, For those that are in a deeper league, I I think this rookie could have earned himself some more playing time uh, for this offense. He looked incredible in the passing game, and he is only 13% rostered. So if you're in a deeper format, you're looking for one of those dart throw guys, I would be grabbing Chase Brown, and let's see if he can uh, earn himself some more playing time on the Spangles offense. And that is the two people I brought. Love it. I'm rooting for Chase. Yeah, me too. I I really am. I think uh, that would be really fun. And before we get out of here, Packers versus Giants, who wins that game? Packers. Packers. Okay, I agree. And Titans and Dolphins, who wins that game tonight? I think this one's closer than people are going to think, but the Dolphins are going to win. It's just going to be a little uglier than we hope. Uh, we called frisky. it last week, right? We said we the did. Yeah, We did. I'm feeling a little frisky, too, with the Titans play. Just I think something weird's going to happen, and then Titans are going to pull one out. I'm gonna Usually when we say that, someone gets some sort of gruesome, terrible injury. We said okay, something maybe I don't before Nick that. Chubb went down. I don't want to say that then. Okay, redacted. Dolphins. Say redacted. Dolphins. Redacted Dolphins. Bye. Okay, thank you. Perfect. <laughs> We're safe now. Uh, okay, perfect. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to win this too. And that's it. That's all the time that we have. I appreciate both you guys doing this. We'll do it again next Monday. And appreciate all you listeners out there. If you could do us a huge favor, hit the subscribe button, man. Wherever you guys listen to your podcast, we're on YouTube, all those places, you hit the subscribe button, man. It does mean the world, and we do appreciate it. Let's get out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.